0: Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, if you want to get insurance through the Affordable Care Act, you have an important deadline tomorrow.
1: December 15th is the deadline for signing up and uh, being covered on the first day of uh, January. And it's also a good day if you've already got coverage to, to look at your plan, see if it still works for you, see if the premiums are comfortable for your budget, and just check your network as well.
0: Then negotiations continue in the Cleveland school desegregation case. Later, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on kicking the smoking habit and collecting money in Mississippi to help families in Haiti. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB. Think Radio. Mississippians looking to get health insurance under the Federal Affordable Care Act need to sign up by the end of tomorrow if they want to get coverage by the start of the new year. By the end of November, nearly 18,000 Mississippians had signed up for coverage. That number is significantly higher than in previous years. Catherine Renner is with the Mississippi Health Access Collaborative. She tells MPB's Paul Boger signing up by December 15th prevents any gaps in coverage. Right
2: now... What we're approaching is the December 15 deadline, which is the deadline to enroll for your coverage to start January 1st, which is especially important for individuals who have had coverage um, or are losing coverage, so either coverage through the marketplace or or, um, coverage elsewhere, um, who would be losing coverage um, the end of December, so to avoid a lapse in coverage or a gap in coverage enrolling by Thursday is very important for those consumers.
3: So let's talk a little bit about, you know, where health care coverage or where the ACA meets Mississippi. You know, do you have the numbers on about how many people are signed up so far or how many people remain without health care coverage?
2: I know we've had record numbers of enrollment for the first month of open enrollment. So, from November 1st through November 31st, we've had more people sign up than any other year before. Um, So, over 18,000 people have already signed up in the first month of open enrollment, which is more than last year at that time. About 73 over 73,000 recipients who buy health insurance through the marketplace could receive uh, a tax credit. Um, I know I think there's over 100,000 individuals who are in the marketplace currently in the state.
3: So if I understand the numbers correctly, uh, 100,000 people in Mississippi are receiving some kind of subsidy or have it purchased their insurance through the exchange, and another 73,000 could get that.
2: So already about 8.8 8 million Americans and 73,000 Mississippians who buy health insurance through healthcare.gov receive tax credits. So currently 73,000. Um, are receiving tax credits, but there's still more Mississippians who would be eligible for coverage through this open enrollment period.
3: Why is this particular deadline so important?
2: Initially, the, the most important factor in meeting this December 15 deadline is to avoid a lapse in coverage. There's a lot of people who are enrolled through the marketplace who have significant health needs. We, as a program, have signed up lots of individuals who have pre-existing conditions, who are fighting cancer, um, and other health issues. And letting their coverage lapse would be detrimental to to their overall health and livelihood. Um, They depend on their insurance. And so making sure that they meet this deadline to re-enroll in coverage um, or to sign up so that their coverage doesn't lapse and they can continue into 2017 um, with health insurance is, is so important.
0: MPB's Paul Boger with Catherine Renner of the Mississippi Health Access Collaborative. Roy Mitchell is with the Mississippi Health Advocacy Program. He tells Paul Boger, while many are wondering what will happen to Obamacare when Donald Trump becomes president, Mississippians who sign up by tomorrow will be covered all of 2017.
1: December 15th is the deadline for signing up and uh, being covered on the first day of uh, January 2017. And it's also a good date if, you, um, if you've if you already got coverage to, to look at your plan, uh, see if it still works for you, see if the premiums are, are comfortable for your budget, and uh, just uh, check your network as well.
3: A lot of uh, kind of question right now as to uh, how the Trump administration and the new Congress will, will deal with the ACA. There's some folks who might be concerned that, any changes might affect them in 2017. Is that how it's going to work or is it there if they sign up will they be safe for the year?
1: If they sign up by December 15th they will have coverage throughout the year. There's uh, a a lot of talk out there and there's an old saying in politics the people that know aren't talking the people that don't know are talking. In terms of the ACA yes um, you, you will have coverage through 2017. Um, and if you have any concerns or issues, you can call our uh, health help line at one 314 3843
3: Now, talking to a few folks, it seems like more Mississippians are signing up this year for health coverage under the ACA than in previous years. Is that about right?
1: Well, there was an initial um, push to enroll. Last month, I think we saw about 20,000 enrolled. And we saw some records broke in terms of the number of people that applied in a given day or a given week. I, I just think that it's in the news a lot. People are more aware of the opportunity to get coverage for their families, and they're taking advantage of it.
3: This isn't the ultimate deadline for 2017, is it? No, it's not. People who might be looking at their coverage might be looking at either enrolling for the first time or enrolling or making changes. Now, what kind of information do they need to, to know, and, and you know, where can they find some of that information if they don't know it?
1: You want to check the plans very carefully in terms of the networks and uh, in terms of the physicians that you're seeing now. Um, Make sure that your physician is in network or uh, that network works for you. Um, You also want to look at your premiums. There has been changes in the premiums. And uh, if the premium has changed, perhaps you could benefit from enrolling in a different level plan, maybe move from a silver plan to a bronze plan. That has lower premiums. In all the ACA plans, you have uh, some common components. For example, no pre-existing conditions. You can stay on your parents' plan until you're 26. There's uh, free preventive care. Those components are all in the ACA. So even if you have to drop to a different plan, there's a, still a lot of benefits there and value for
3: you. Now, another I w- I was concern at one point that some of the participants in the ACA, some of the providers, uh, would be moving out of the state or or discontinuing service altogether. Has that made significant changes to what's going on now?
1: Well, the good news is that the state is completely covered. There are health plans available in in the plan. Yes, there have been changes, and and that's another reason that people need to go to healthcare.gov and revisit their plans if they already have coverage. People that don't have coverage um, really need to look at the ACA, Um, 90% of Mississippians receive um, subsidies through tax credits and you know there's many more Mississippians that are eligible for these tax credits that are not enrolled. You really owe it to yourself to to go to healthcare.gov and uh, look at your options, you may be eligible for tax
0: credits. MPB's Paul Boger with Roy Mitchell of Mississippi Health Advocacy Program on tomorrow's deadline to sign up for health insurance under the Affordable Care Act. Up next, negotiations continue in the Cleveland school desegregation case. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio mpb radio's local programs are available now as podcasts sure you love your mpb mobile app it streams your favorite program anytime you like but when streaming's not the thing say in flight or driving on the natchez trace download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket available on itunes or on any podcast app grab your local mpb podcast now from the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. All parties involved in the half-century Cleveland School desegregation case are currently in settlement negotiations. Both the plaintiffs and the Justice Department support U.S. District Judge Deborah Brown's May 13th order to desegregate by consolidating Cleveland's two high schools and two middle schools. The parties must report back to the judge on the status of the negotiations by the end of the week. Jamie Jacks is an attorney for the school board. She tells MPB's Mark Rigsby everyone involved is working hard on the settlement.
4: Well, the school district's position on appeal is that which it has been for for years now, based on Judge Davidson's previous ruling in the case, which is a freedom of choice plan that the district has operated uh, within for the last several years is a constitutional plan. And the district's position is if you have a true freedom of choice for every student in the district, which we believe we absolutely do in Cleveland, then that's a constitutional plan as well. And that In our uh, constitutional law, deference should be given to the district on the type of plan that it believes will work best for it um, in its school district. And we believe on appeal um, that argument has merit, that a true freedom of choice plan is constitutional in 2016 in the Cleveland School District.
5: The school district filed another document last week with the Northern District, basically giving an update to the court on the implementation of the judge's order for the May 13th, 2016 plan. Can you just help us understand how we can file a, uh, a report to how things are coming along on implementing a desegregation plan while you're at the same time appealing that plan?
4: Sure. It is it is like having two balls in the air, but it is the judge's order, and so we must abide by it. We at first asked the judge for a stay in the case, and that stay was denied. Um, the district is planning on filing a essentially a motion to stay with the Fifth Circuit, which would stop any process moving forward. But until we file that motion to stay and until that's granted, we have to abide by Judge Brown's order in this case. And one of the orders that she charged the district with was moving forward with her May 13, 2016 plan. And a part of that was putting together a multiracial panel that would help steer the district uh, towards a consolidated school Uh, for high school and middle school and so we wanted to update the court we were ordered to update the court I believe on December 5th with how that multiracial panel was doing uh, how often they were meeting and what they were doing in their meetings also we were to update the court on whether there would be any staffing needs and recruitment that we needed to address or uh, repairs and renovations for the district extracurricular programs and activities we were looking at and other collaborations with outside agencies so, yes, while while appealing the judge's ruling, we are also mandated to follow the judge's ruling, which means that all of these things are taking place at the same time.
5: I'd like to talk about the multiracial advisory panel that is described in this brief. Can you tell me how many members are on that panel and what the racial makeup of the panel is?
4: Sure. Each board member appointed three members to the multiracial panel. So that would be five members times three, fifteen. And um, the breakdown I'd have to get for you exactly, but it is definitely a diverse panel. I believe it is of the 15 appointed. It is more African-American than white. The superintendent then asked for the four schools involved to have each a representative, and the four schools would be the two high schools and two middle schools. And those four appointees are diverse as well. It's a mix of of different races. And then the plaintiffs, the private plaintiffs that are involved in the case, and the Department of Justice had several suggestions about people they wanted to see on the panel, and the district agreed that they could make their suggestions, and those members were placed on the panel. I don't have the exact racial breakdown, but I assure you it is a multiracial panel and very diverse.
5: Sure. The brief also says the panel met on November 3rd, 17th, and 29th of this year to discuss where to go from here. Are those meetings well attended?
4: I think that they have been. The, they actually have met again here recently in the last week or so. I think that meeting was a little bit uh, not as well attended, but I think it was mostly to do with they changed the date from, I believe they normally meet on a Thursday and they had to bump up the date. So in general, I think that meetings have been very well attended and they are making a lot of progress and they have good suggestions and the superintendent is considering those and, and moving along with those suggestions.
5: Also it says the district has formed a student committee made up of the, of the student government representatives from all the current middle and high schools I'm reading from the document now yes. this student committee has been charged with choosing a slate of names mascots and colors for the new unified junior high and high school and the slate will pre- be presented to the entire 6 to12 student body for a vote in the next few weeks. is this a slate of names mascots and colors for a unified junior high and high school? Under the judges, May 13th, order to desegregate by consolidation or the school district's new plan to split the high school students 9th and 10th grade at Eastside and 11th and 12th at Cleveland under a unified name.
4: The student committee was charged with coming up with a new name for the new unified high school under the judges plan and new junior high school. However, if the district's new plan of a, well, we're calling it the Unified High School Plan with 9th and 10th, 11th and 12th split on the two campuses, I don't see any reason why the new name couldn't be used for that as well. But the, the intent of the student committee was to come up with a slate of names for the judge, the, the court ordered plan of May 13th, 2016.
0: MPB's Mark Rigsby with Jamie Jacks, attorney for the Cleveland School Board, on the negotiations in the school district's desegregation case. Up next, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on kicking the smoking habit. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: MPB Think Radio loves to help with lots of subjects. But between 9 and 10 on Wednesday mornings, we focus on your nest. On Fix It 101, we want to help you make your place safer, quieter, drier, brighter, bigger, cooler, cozier, or the opposite of any of those things, depending on your preference. The pros are Moore of Affordable Solutions 601 and Jeff Sammons of Houseworks. I'm the amateur and host, Jason Klein. So go ahead and ask away. Fix It 101 is Wednesdays at 9 on MPB Think Radio.
1: The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the MyBlue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to
6: be blue. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Many folks in Mississippi are still trying to beat the addiction of nicotine in cigarettes. It's a challenge. It's a very big challenge. A big study has just been released in the Journal of the American Medical Association to try to help you choose which one of the three medical regimens to help you stop smoking is the best. You're aware of these. There's Chantix. There's a nicotine patch, and there's a combination of the nicotine patch with nicotine replacement therapy. So a very large study has just been reported in over 1,000 smokers who completed taking one of these three regimens for 12 months. And the bottom line is there was no difference in the efficacy between nicotine patches, a combination of nicotine patches and nicotine gum, or Chantix. So choose whatever you think is best for you and whatever is most affordable. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo.
7: Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you could search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
0: I'm Robin Young. When Daily Show host Trevor Noah was born mixed race in South Africa, he was born a crime. Now he's talking to an American president.
5: We both have parents who are black and white, uh, both half African, uh, south side of Chicago, south side of Africa— Ah, um, similar.
0: Trevor Noah, next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A Vicksburg church is helping the tiny island country of Haiti, hit recently by Hurricane Matthew by raising money to buy livestock for families there. Four- and five-year-olds at First Baptist Church in Vicksburg collected money and challenged the congregation to donate additional money to buy goats for the Haitians in need. Senior Pastor Matt Buckles tells MPB's Mark Rigsby there's a valuable lesson in their mission.
7: Mission Friends is a preschool uh, missions group in many Southern Baptist churches, and we have a very active uh, missions friend Uh, ministry here. Uh, The mothers and leaders in our church came up with this idea uh, through participation uh, with But God Ministries, and they challenged our church to give, and uh, we had uh, outpouring of support for this. Uh, Ultimately, we received $3,000, which was able to provide 60 goats at $50 a head for But God Ministries. But it was a project led by our mission friends, uh, three, four, five-year-olds learning about missions, um, helping people in the name of Jesus Christ somewhere in the world.
5: Normally, whenever there is a group organization, a church that is collecting donations for people that are less fortunate than we are, Goats don't come to mind. Why goats?
7: My understanding is that goats uh, provide milk, uh, meat uh, for daily life or for Haitians and many peoples in parts of the world. Uh, It is an animal which uh, gives sustenance to life, so it's something that's practical. A goat is not an expensive animal to raise, uh, maybe like cattle or horses. From what I know about goats having grown up in rural Mississippi, they can they can pretty much take care of themselves sometimes and eat things that we won't eat. But it's a vital animal in uh, that part of the world, and not only in Haiti but in other parts of the world, missionaries use this as a practical means of supporting uh, their church ministries and their outreach uh, opportunities.
5: And you're saying that this is a ministry for preschool, kindergarten age...
7: Yeah, here here at our church. Yes, sir. Uh, it's 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 not limited to preschoolers in in any churches, but the Mission Friends organization here in our church was the one that led the project and challenged our church family to participate.
5: What type of lesson are we teaching uh, the young people about raising this money and providing something that's very important that we wouldn't necessarily think would be important where we live?
7: I think, Mark, to, th- to think about others, to realize that we have opportunities to help others who are not as fortunate, blessed uh, as we are here in you know, this part of the world, to teach children, to assist others, and to assist people that you may never meet, but you trust missionaries and Christian workers to get these gifts in the hands of um, the people in need.
5: And when will the goats be delivered?
7: What First Baptist will do is we will send a check for $3,000. That's for 60 goats at $50 a head. We'll send that check to uh, But God Ministries in Ridgeland. And then they will take it and... I'm, I'm guessing, purchase the goats in Haiti or have them shipped there. We've got the check in the mail.
5: Did, did the kids raise the money?
7: They gave some of it. They're pennies, nickels, dimes, and dollars. But many of our church members, you know, stepped up, uh, adults. Uh, like, for instance, my wife and I bought one, you know. Uh, so it, it started with the children, but they challenged the whole church, uh, congregation of three to 400, to participate.
5: Well, that would be a fantastic uh, Christmas present for someone in Haiti.
7: And mark my understanding through... Um, the people who've been involved in this is that goats normally will have twins, and the owner of a donated goat has to give one of the the kids away to perpetuate, to uh, keep this uh, ministry going. So it's like a rippling effect um, throughout uh, a local community that you can't keep all your prize herd. You have to give one of them away at a time.
0: MPB's Mark Rigsby with Matt Buckles of First Baptist Church in Vicksburg. Children at the church collected money to buy goats for needy families in Haiti. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Fix It 101, Everyday Tech and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.